we want to hear the stories we want, but we don't want the stuff. Like, don't overwhelm us with all of your old, smelly, broken things. After the adult children have taken everything they want and you've taken what you want to move to senior living, guess the amount. What? A whole life of stuff. Whole and life. What do you think is going to happen with all this stuff? Like, my generation doesn't want it. Where is this stuff going to go? Like, what's going to happen with it? Welcome to the Minimal Mom Podcast. Dawn reaches a million women each month with practical tips to simplify your home. Today, Dawn is joined by Matt Paxton, one of the top downsizing and decluttering experts in the country. He is the host of the two-time Emmy-nominated TV series Legacy List and was a featured cleaner on the hit television show Hoarders for 15 seasons. Matt is also the author of the best-selling book, Keep the Memories, Lose the Stuff. He appears regularly as a public speaker, television host, and radio personality, helping families and companies find the upside of downsizing. Well, Matt, I think, I mean, you're obviously well known from the show Hoarders. Maybe you're tired of that affiliation <laughs> by now, maybe not. Um, your new show, Leg Legacy List, though, is Super cool. So we're going to talk about, you're going to help us through sentimental stuff today. But first, how does a 30-something-year-old man get on the Hoarders show? Like, how did that all come about? So you're going to laugh, right? I cleaned houses for, gosh, five, I cleaned hoarded houses. Like, that's it. By myself, 15 bucks an hour. That's what I did for five years. Wow. And and I met uh, I met Peter Walsh very oddly. Oh, yeah. Right. Like mm -hmm. very, it's a crazy story, but I met Peter Walsh, like this is 15 years ago, you know, and cause he was the only other guy I saw doing what I was doing on mm -hmm. TV. And I said, Hey man, I bet you get a lot of jobs. I bet nobody, uh, you can't do them. If, if you don't want to do the jobs, I'd love your jobs. Okay. That was what I reached out to him. And I, and I called him for a year and he never called me back. And his agent finally <laughs> said like, oh, okay, yeah, listen to this kid. Long story short, we, we ended up not working together. And like three years later, he gets a call to do hoarders. He's like, I'm absolutely not doing that show. But he goes, there's this kid in Virginia that'll do anything. Nice. And and so it was from an, a, a cordial no. Yeah. Three years prior. Mm -hmm. I ended up, uh, Peter recommended me. And I met the guys that were doing hoarders. And they were like, we're good, man. We don't need anybody on the show. But if you have any houses to clean, let me know. Okay. And I was like, I got it seven. I'm doing seven right now. So they flew because that's all I did. I just cleaned hoarded houses. Yeah. And then I'm on TV and like, but like I filmed it and it was still six months. So I was still this broke cleaning guy. And this is a true story. Yeah. Hoarders, came, hoarders came on and the week, the day that Hoarders was, was going to air, like I was like, my life's going to change. Um, my phone got turned off <laughs> because I hadn't paid myself on a bill in three months. <laughs> like the day of. And I called Verizon and I begged them. I was like, please, like, please let my phone ring. Yeah. And they were like, you haven't paid your bill. You know, I yeah, can't help you. And I was still just hustling. I, mean, I was just cleaning houses for like trying to make it. And I go, dude, I'm on TV. I go check the TV guide. Like that's how long ago this was. <laughs> I was like, do you have a TV guide? And not online, just a TV guide, you know? And I was like, please check it. And he did. And I go, is that the hoarders thing? I go, that's me. I'm going to be on that show. And I go, look, man, my mom, this is my favorite sales thing I've ever done. I go, my mom is going to listen. It's going to watch tonight. And my mom has not really had much to be proud of in the last 10 years. <laughs> and I go, she's going to see me on TV. She's going to call me to say she's proud of me. And it's going to go, doo, doo, doo. This number has been temporarily disconnected. <laughs> and I go, do you have a mom? And he got really, he got really quiet. And he goes, I hear you, dude. He goes, I hear you. He goes, I'll turn your phone on. 
but you can't call out because your phone can only <laughs> ring in. And my phone, my phone has not stopped ringing since. Man. Yeah. And I'm like, it's like one of my favorite stories. I mean, I wish it was exaggerated. It's totally yeah. Exaggerated. So even just hearing you say, I'm working on seven houses. There are seven houses in the area. Even I, how many houses are actually out there that we don't realize that are. So it's 5% of the country that struggle okay. with hoarding mm -hmm. and at different levels. And obviously we're on a minimalist, uh, podcast. Yeah. And I think all of us have journeys, right? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I really just got turned on by minimalism about four years ago. And I thought it was kind of weird, to be honest. And now I'm, you know, I live in a minimalist home and I love it. My dad was a hoarder. I would spend every weekend with my dad. So I got into cleaning houses. Yeah. My dad passed away. I, so I lost my dad, my stepdad, both my grandfathers all in the same year wow. uh, when I was 24. And I'm now 49. But yeah, but I there's, you know, what, 5% of the country. So do the math. Mm -hmm. So if you got 100 houses in your in your neighborhood, Mathematically, there's five. So were they, with these houses you were doing, were you being called in by family members or were the people still in the homes or who was inviting you? County, county. Oh, okay. The county would call mm -hmm. me in. They'd be like, we're kicking okay. this guy out. Can you mm -hmm. work with them? Move man, senior move managers would bring me in. Senior living communities would say, hey, okay. our traditional mover can't deal with this. Um, I, my grandfather always told me, do the work that nobody else wants to do and you'll have a job. Yeah. And he was right. Yeah. And so I just focused on the jobs nobody wanted. Yeah. And I later found out that people, like, I just wasn't charging enough for the first five years. Yeah. And uh, as an entrepreneur, like, you don't mm -hmm. know that stuff. And I was just trying to help people. Yeah. And I was like, if I help, I was, I grew, I grew up in a family of faith. And I was just like, if you help people, it works, it works out. out. God will yeah. provide. But, yeah. you know, God doesn't understand cash flow and things like that. Yeah. You know, so like, it's not always, it's not always, uh, Your phone is he provides, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He provides, but maybe not at the level you would like, you know? And so like, I had to learn my way up and yeah. I just, I just always focused on helping people and it, it did work out actually, but man, it was a journey and I just would, you know, I'm a, I mean, I think I'm very pretty open about it. I was a recovering gambling addict and I talk about it all the time. And so like I could connect with the hoarders. And so I knew pretty quickly, yeah. you know, hoarding happens because traumas happen to them. Something bad has happened to them. And so uh, it's not a choice. Nobody will let it away. And so for the really first 15 years of my career it was just hoarders. And I was learning, you know, I was finding out like, wait a minute, these are fascinating people. They're brilliant. They're smart. Um, but they just, someone died or like something bad happened to them. And I was like, oh, I can connect with that. Some, something bad happened to me. I had a bit of a hiccup for five years. And I found that I was like, oh my God, the hoarder and I are the exact same thing. Mm. It's just like my mess up wasn't as big as theirs. Right. Yeah. And so like, just I obvious. just dabbled in. Yeah. Mine yeah. was a little more obvious. I mean, I was a gambling addict. I lost everything. But then like, why did I gamble? That's just, like, why are you hoarding? Right. And yeah. it, was, it was pretty simple. It was death, divorce, you know, mm -hmm. abuse, mainly abuse. But like, you know, it was really, um, I learned so much those first five years. So I always jokingly say like, thank God I wasn't on TV the first five years because I really got to understand hoarding. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And like why we do it. Cause it was just pure. Yeah. It was just me and an old lady sitting in your kitchen with a yeah. bunch of cats. Right. And then that's how we learned. That's how I learned to help these people. And I just, I just love, I'm like the luckiest guy in the world. I have a, I have a really weird life, but I have a, a awesome, amazing life. I get to help people. Every yeah. day. So then you get the question all of the time, like, Hey, I know someone in my life who I suspect is hoarding uh, different various levels. And I know I've visited with Melanie from a hoarder's heart, her YouTube channel, and she struggled with hoarding disorder. And when I've asked her, I said like, Number one thing, if we want to approach a loved one about this, what do you need to do? She's like, treat them like a person. You know, they're not their clutter, their mess. They are a 
person. Show person. that you give and a crap about them as a person. Amen, yeah. amen, amen. They're probably a better person than you and I, I'll mm-hmm. be honest. They're definitely more interesting. Yes. I mean, hoarders are fascinating people, man. I'll never forget my one of my first hoarders. I was like, it was all these, like, she had books ever, which is very common. But like, they were all these different Russian, like Slavic translations. And then she had all, I mean, it was every book in 20 languages. And I'm like, what's your, like, what's your deal? Like, I don't know, I was getting annoyed. I'm like, how do you, what do you, why do you have all these books in different languages? Like, you can't even, like, I was thinking like, God, what an idiot. You just buy books in different, you don't even know what they are. And she's like, well, I was a translator at the UN in the 70s. And she goes, so I had to read all these people's books in different languages so that I could translate their language by hand, like at live speed at the UN. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize. I'm not, I feel really dumb now. You know, and I struggle with one language, right? And yeah. this lady's mastering, <laughs> mastering 10 on the fly. Yeah. And I remember like, it was just so many of those, those interactions were like, God, these people aren't sad. They're brilliant. They're amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then like, we also get to see like on the TV show, um, if you know me from the TV show orders, like the challenge with that is it's a television show about a mental disorder for entertainment. Right. Like there's an ethical dilemma from the start. Right. And so for us, we, we, we do provide a year of therapy for each order. If we didn't provide the therapy, I would, I would say it's unethical to do the show. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. um, we provide the help with one of the best, you know, usually the best cleaning staff around and then they get professional help. And so if we, if we stop doing the therapy, I don't think it's right. And they did stop doing it. That's why I'm not on the show anymore. They didn't offer the back therapy. And then because of the show, it's like the wrong way to clean. Right. Jam it all in five days. Horrible yeah. way to clean the hoarders. Yeah. Take all your problems of 50 years and let's try to solve them in, in like 48 hours. Like that's not going to work. But like in the private side of hoarding, like I'll be like, well, I'll work through for a day a week for two years. Mm-hmm. Right. And you get to know these people and then you get to share like ups and downs. And yeah. I mean, I have one hoarder that always still, every time I have a kid, she'd call me and she'd be like, have you named a kid yet? I'm like, yeah, he's six months old, dude. You know, yeah, but they would have, a, I've got an idea. I got a name. How about Tyrone? You know, like, well, his, his name's Cooper, but thank you. So I would echo what Melanie said, treat him like regular people. But I would also say, uh, don't talk about the hoard if you can see the hoard. That's okay. my best piece of advice. Um, it's kind of like being married, right? Like, don't talk about whatever you guys are upset about. Don't talk about if you can see it. Go for a walk, get mm-hmm. out of the house, find a way. To, mm-hmm. It's because if you if you can see the hoard, there's no way you're impartial. It's affected mm-hmm. your life. You're very upset. Yeah. And it's hard to be compassionate. And so I just, I say, get out of the house. Like that's where to okay. talk about it. And then, yeah. and then keep it, you know, you have to remind them, I love you. Yeah. That's why we're discussing it. I care about you. Yeah. And it's easy when you're not the hoarder's partner. When you're yeah. a partner, it's really difficult. It's very difficult because your mm-hmm. life is affected greatly. What do you think is the most misunderstood about hoarding? And it's a choice. It's not a choice. Nobody. And that it's forever. Um, it's current. It's currently. You're st- I had a hoarder one time. I was giving a speech on stage and, and this hoarder gets up, this old lady gets up there and, and she goes, you're calling me a hoarder. She goes, that is the least interesting thing about me. And the, this crowd is like 300 people in the audience. And she goes, my favorite food is pizza. My favorite color is purple. You know, I bought my job. I was a secretary. Blah, blah. I mean, she just lays it out on me. And the pl- it was like a movie. The place went nuts. They're like, yeah, screw Matt. He sucks. You know, and then she's like, don't call me a hoarder. I'm someone who currently struggles with hoarding, which is a big difference. She goes, don't identify with me. You don't call everyone else like, like, she's like, you probably got a family member who's an alcoholic. You don't call them alcoholic. And I was like, holy crap. She's right. You know, like yeah. that's what we do. 
And of course, then I'm on a show called Hoarders, you know, which is pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty problematic, you know. And I was just like, guys, I was like, ma'am, this you are totally right. I apologize. Mm-hmm. She goes, well, yeah. if if you're not saying it right, how do you expect the rest of the world to say it right? And so I, I will say that she taught me that day, like, hey, man, it's it's totally temporary. Like it does. And I, I've always oh, the stat I love to give is I've been invited to eight weddings post hoarder cleanout. So. After they cleaned out their house and their life has gotten better, I've met them when they got a boyfriend and I've been invited to the weddings, you know, and it's like really cool to see the after, after, after of it. Um, and, you know, the hard question is, what do you what do you give a hoarder for a wedding gift? You know, like, <laughs> really <laughs> challenging. And the answer is nothing, by the way. Absolutely nothing. An experience, An experience gift, yes. <laughs> experience, which, which brings us to minimalism, right? You know? Right, right. Well, that's fascinating. And it's, I mean, any anything that's extreme, I think, is always interesting to people, right? And that's why there's TV shows and all of that. But um, so I love your experiences. Let's talk about your new show because it's actually equally it's fascinating, I think. Tell us a little bit about the Legacy List. Thank you. So Legacy List, it's on it's on public television on PBS. Um, none of you have probably heard it uh, or seen it. If you, if you uh, Please watch it. It's a wonderful show. Yeah, I mean, um, two-time Emmy nominated. Two-time Emmy, yeah, Emmy yeah, nominated. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Been nominated for two Emmys. I was up against, uh, what, Marie Kondo and... Oh, uh, tough competition. <laughs> and and o- it was Marie Kondo, Joanna Gaines, Oprah, and me. And so I, so I called my mom and I was like, mom, look who we're up against. And she's like, well, I don't think I would buy the tickets to LA. Like, it doesn't sound like you're going to win. <laughs> and I was like, doesn't sound like it to me either, mom. But my God, we got nominated. You know? Yeah, we, we did not. We did not win. That's okay. But um, the sh- here's this. Here's the stick on this show. The show's really simple. I was do- did hoarders for so long and I was like, gosh, this is it, hoarders could be like the most positive show in the country if you edited it the right way. And so I made a commitment. I said, I want to make a positive show about aging America. And I was like, nobody under 65. I want real people that have been in the house 30 to, 30 to 50 years. And I want to hear the stories behind the stuff. Like, Because like my, the punchline for me of my 20-year career is no one keeps the stuff because of the stuff. We keep it because of the memories, because of the people. The people that gave us the stuff. The people that remind us of the stuff. And so I was like, well, that's all I want to talk about. I just want to talk about the people. And so basically, if you've, ever, if you've ever visited on your front porch with your grandma, like that's what this show is. We're just hanging out in people's attics. We're helping them downsize. They're moving. They've been in the house 50 years and they're going somewhere and we get the stories. And the kicker, when I really, as the producer of the show, I said, hey, I don't ever want to mention a price. Price does not matter to me. Yeah. You don't want to go like the Pawn Stars or the Pickers route and- with it. And that's all they wanted. Are people just like, they're probably on their phone, like searching it. (laughs) Every day they want to know. Right. And I said, guys, this is what's going to make this show different. If we talk about the price, we're just another show. And so every producer and most cable, that's why I'm on public television. Honestly, all the cable shows turned it down. Every network said, you don't talk about price. We're not interested. And well, one of them, this is the whole, one of them asked uh, if there were any attractive granddaughters that would fight over the stuff. And I was like, I'm, I'm sure there is. And I wish I was making that up. That's literally what they said. And I go, I'm sure there is, but that's not the show I want to make. And so I just, I made a commitment and, and that was the beauty of public television. I said, I'm going to go share grandma's stories. And we were able to get a truly emotional, amazing, positive show. And that's, and that's what the show's about. And, and a legacy list is just a tool I use. The name of the show is legacy list. And that's just a tool I use when I'm cleaning houses. I go into house and I say, Hey, write down a list of the top five things in your house, like the top five items that matter most and tell me those stories. And that's how I'd always start a clean out. And what I found out is when I'm cleaning someone's head, this is like personal, not just on TV. 
you find that if they tell the stories, it's usually like three or four or five people, right? And, then, and that's like the foundation of their family. And so they start to tell their stories. They start to tell the stories about the people that matter. And so and they've said like, for me, it's my dad. I mean, my dad was my rock, right? And, I, and my dad's been gone 25 years, but like I still talk about my dad every day. Uh, one of my legacy list items is my dad's ring, right? And and I, I tell the story all the time. My kids can tell the story. My kids never met my dad, right? But they can tell all the stories with my dad and they get annoyed now when I start to tell a story about my dad. And I'll argue that I'm, that means we're doing it right. If my kids yeah. can finish the story and they get annoyed by the story, <laughs> that means they know who my dad is. Yeah. Right? yeah. And they know. And, and to me, that's what it's about. When you're cleaning yeah. out a house, when you're downsizing, it's about sharing those stories. And so I really just fight hard to get those stories told. And that's, and the show is just one of my many tools to do that. And I will tell you, yeah. To me, it's all about the stories. So you also have a book out uh, within the last year, Keep the Memories, Lose the Stuff. And so that's why I wanted, I really wanted to talk about sentimental stuff. Oh, there you go. I'm sure you've heard this too when friends say, I'm so sentimental, I can't get rid of anything. Where do you start? Because these are things, it's not like just decluttering your clothes and then you just go to the store and buy more clothes. I mean, these truly are irreplaceable things that we're talking about. So when someone says to you, I'm so sentimental, what do you say to them? Well, and, and I say, that's awesome. Why are we, tell me about that person, right? And so I start, and that, again, that's why I started the legacy list because I want, I, they're sentimental about that person. They're not sentimental about that item. And let, let's get really clear on that. There's someone that's really important in their life. Awesome. Let's embrace that. In fact, let's spend five days on it, right? My method, I'm gonna tell you right now, my method is not quick. If you can't tell, I talk a lot. I tell a lot of stories and that's what my cleaning methods are about. I want you to celebrate the person that's not with you. I want to hear every reason you can't let go of grandma's buttons. All right. I want to know why you can't let go of that Foster's uh, coffee can in the garage that is filled with pennies or nails because it's your great grandfather's. I find one in every house. I know exactly what they're. But what happens is we attach because we love someone so much. We had so much positive interaction. With that person. We love them so much. I'm so sentimental. This is grandma's first trash can. This is grandma's recycled newspapers. Oh, she's so important that we need to keep her recycled newspapers. Man, this woman was incredible. Tell me all about it, right? And so what I really believe, my belief is that, yes, we're sentimental. We're sentimental about the person. We're not sentimental about the stuff. So I want to spend the time at the beginning telling all the amazing stories. And so that's what I do. I mean, I get, give me, that's why I say, give me the five, give me the legacy list. Give me your grandma's first five items. If someone's super emotional, like I'll break it up. Give me grandma's legacy. This now give me grandpa's. Now give me your uncle's. Right, and I listen. And you would think by hearing me talk as much as I do that I don't listen. I'm actually a magnificent listener. But I'm telling you, the more you let them talk, and the more and the more you listen, the more they share about that person. And the memories come out. You're going to get tears. You're going to get hugs. You're going to get laughter. You're going to get incredible stories. And I want you to record it. Right. I got a bunch of different ways to record these. Yeah. Memories. Yeah. But as you do that, what's happening is you're prioritizing the memories of that person. Right. And all of a sudden, it's not that you have 100 items that you matter about this person. You have 100 stories. Right. And so all of a sudden you start to realize, oh, I only have like 10 items. And then you start to let go of the items that don't. It's the it's the other stuff that doesn't yeah. matter. It's grandpa's. Like, do you really need to save all of grandpa's pants? Right. Wouldn't <laughs> one pair do? And I've, I've really pushed with the sentimentalist. I get it. So I embrace it. I don't. I think most cleaning methods try to avoid it. Yeah. Right? And they get oh, into yeah. tips and, and lists mm -hmm. and. 
I don't do all that, man. Okay. I'm not into tips. Tips and lists are actually just more things for my brain. I had this is where I've embraced, you know, some of the, the things I've learned in minimalism. It's it's not about more, it's about less. Yeah. So I've really got I mean, I'm telling all my professors, I'm like, stop sending out tips. It actually just clutters up our brain even more. <laughs> right. Like just tell yeah. the damn stories. Like yeah. let the stuff out of the brain. Right. And yeah. so for me, it's really prioritizing. Um, I will say when I clean out a house and remember, I'm not doing, I, I tend to clean houses that you're leaving, not sure. houses that you're staying in. Okay. So my methods are more about, uh, I mean, 90% of my cleanouts are downsizing grandma's house or estate. Okay. And the only difference is grandma's not in one of them, right? She sure. passed away. But which is harder? Is it harder after they've passed away and the person now everyone feels this guilt to like keep everything or is it easier when they're still involved and they can have input but they don't want to get rid of the stuff. I think it's harder when everybody's alive is okay. my, I yeah. think it's easier when the estate, when the estate is there, the adult children tend to behave better. When, okay. when grandma's gone, the estate children tend to behave a little more honest. Mm -hmm. When you have grandma moving to senior living, there's a lot of BS uh, negotiations going sure. on with family members. And there's sure. a lot of maybe not truly real and authentic mm -hmm. uh, happenings along with family. And you have sure. people jockeying for money or items or love. And there's all these emotions and the guilt. Let's talk about guilt, 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 guilt. Yeah. I mean, there's so much guilt at the end of someone's life. People start to do inventory of what they've done for that person. And, and it comes out in the stuff, right? And people, I mean, I've had families fight over pianos that no one's played in 30 years. <laughs> You know, or like grandfather clocks that everybody hates. Well, so you do get some fighting on your shows, huh? And so <laughs> oh, yeah. we get you no. Know, so I am I am on Legacy List. I am all about positivity. I'm like no more, none of this stuff. Um, anytime I see a family member, you know, fight, I'm like, you want the you want the piano? Great, I'll deliver today. Where's it going? Right? Like I'll go right at it. I'm like, wonderful. I got a truck, guys. Put the piano on the truck. It's going to Jane's house, and I'll put like Jane. Where's it going to go? Well, I, don't, I mean, maybe I don't want to, you know, and so we, we, we can be bullies in that manner, but I, mm -hmm. I will tell you, it's never about this. It's never, ever, ever yep. about stuff. It's always yep. about emotions. Let's talk about guilt though, because I do think some people keep stuff out of guilt because they, they were told that this was your great grandmother's. This was brought over from Germany. You should keep this, even though they have no idea who that person was. I mean, they, the, the only memories they have attached is somebody telling them that thing was special. You need to keep it forever. So 55 and older has that guilt. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's an yeah, obligation. That makes sense. It's an obligation. Yeah. Uh, 55 and under, not so much. Okay. They're okay with it. 55 and older, we were in, again, it's primarily women that are tasked with this. If we look back historically, this is not meant to be a sexist comment for any of the listeners. This is just mathematically 50 years ago, uh, most of the women were homemakers, and so they were tasked with being in charge of weddings, funerals, and cleaning up the houses. Well, now it's old, oldest adult daughter is who that falls on. Just so we're, I mean, my audience, my business is probably it's probably eighty five percent oldest adult daughter. That's who that's okay. called. Okay. Yep. And and they tend to stay in town. The youngest daughter leaves. It's usually the oldest adult daughter, and they feel an obligation to do it themselves because they were usually the highest performing academically family member, they were taught to be perfect. Okay. They stayed, but what's changed is now that old daughter is a doctor. She's a lawyer. She's a CEO. You know, she's in charge of all of this stuff and then still gets tasked with managing all of the family okay. member stuff. And mm -hmm. then if you look at the mathematical side of this, the stats part of this, which I think is amazing, we're now cleaning up the houses of the people that had kids when they were 20. Mm. I, mean, I was 37 when I had my last kid. 
right? Yeah. My yeah. mom was 20, my mom was 23. Right. 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 And so what's happening is we have three generations of stuff falling on that 55 year oldest adult daughter, right? Wow. You'll never have three generations of stuff again. Okay. And it's the three generations. It's the greatest generations. It's, uh, the boomers and it's our, and it's, uh, I mean, what I was, I did a speech the other day. It's people that literally I'm cleaning out houses from people that fought in the war yeah. or two, and that went to Woodstock. <laughs> and that's two different wow. people, right? Yeah. Two very different people. Um, and so, and then now they're adult daughters. So there's four generations, actually. If you're, if you're looking at a 55 year old feeding a client, I'm cleaning four generations for that woman. And so what's happening is we have too much stuff and it's all the same stuff. And that's why these houses are just filling up so, so fast. And that's why the emotions are hitting because you're not just grandma, it's great grandma, grandma and mom, and it's piled on you and you've still got work, you've got a relationship, yeah. you've got kids, it's, you know, you just, when you think of all the emotions, on top of it, it becomes a lot. And that's why I think stuff has, has gotten to be just so much for mm -hmm. people. It's just too much. And because it's just like, eh, like, screw it. Yeah. You know? I mean, and it really, really changes. So are you helping them then pick out the truly meaningful and just sort it out from all the rest that really is just clutter around it? Or how are how do you work through these things? Yeah. So I'm all about, I'm like, okay, let's prioritize this for real. And so what I do is I, I go through first, I'm like, okay, obviously give me the absolute trash, right? Like mm -hmm. we know this is trash. So we go through trash and then we go to absolute keep. Like we know 100, actually I usually start with that. So usually I'll, I'll start with absolute keep. So like if, if this is getting shipped to a grandson in Colorado, great, let's get it there. Right. If I have a will, sometimes I, I mean, literally sometimes I get a will this high and it's like, sure. okay, figure it out. And which I love, that's easy because there's yeah. no emotion there. It's just yeah. <laughs> all the wall. So, but I'll get all the absolutes to where they need to go. Okay. Right? And then I say, okay, hey guys, from my experience, it's easier to donate. And so I try to focus more on donation than sell. Um, if you got to sell, it is what it is and we sell it. So my piles are absolute keep, donate, trash, and, re and put recycling in there. And then I have a big, I have a big maybe pile. Okay. I'm okay with maybe. Sometimes it's hard to do maybe. It, you're not sure until you know what you've gone through the whole house. I could see that. And yeah. so mm -hmm. my deal is the maybe pile has to be done last yeah. because now once we have a full inventory of the house, you know, something that you thought you were going to keep earlier. Now you're like, Oh God, I have 12 of those. Like I'm good. Right. And then you say, well, I'll donate 11. And so, but, but, but all along the way, we're proud of what's most important. And then they start to tell the stories and they start to prioritize, wait a minute, you know, maybe I wanted this. Like the dining room is the room that catches us all up. Right. I mean, the original title of my book was going to be called Nobody Wants Your Stuff. And AARP wouldn't let me call it that. <laughs> and and what I've learned is people do want your stuff, just not that stuff. They don't want the yeah. kitchen. Or that right? volume of stuff, right? Like give me yeah. a curated collection of my grandma's things or things I remember my grandma using. I've often thought about, because I have two things from my grandma that I adored. I have her red tablecloth that I remember being on the table every Christmas when we went to her house. And then I have this set of bowls that my mom gave me saying, these were your grandma's, but I don't ever remember them. I don't, I don't remember going to her house and seeing them. And so that's where I'm like, there's like firsthand and secondhand sentimental, like firsthand was the red tablecloth. I remember the Christmases. Secondhand is like this, these bowls that it's, someone's telling me like, I mean, you could have told me they were anybody's bowls. I would not have known. Right. And so it's like being willing to let go of those things that okay. I, I don't remember. So this is, this is perfect. So let's okay. use this. All right. So great timing. I love this. Okay. So to me, the red tablecloth, absolute 
automatic keep. No brainer. We call that an artifact. All right. You're keeping that. It is it is in your family forever. We're going to tell that story. And hopefully, God willing, people fight over that red tablecloth after you're gone. Yeah. Because it's going to be, you're going to be grandma in that scenario. Yeah. And they're like, this is grandma's. It was yeah. everything. And so to make it that kind of, you got to tell the stories and then we got to use it every year. Yeah. Right? Okay. Let's keep it going. Right. Mm-hmm. So to me, that is a no brainer. That is what our big item. The bowls, mm, I'd get rid of them. Now, this is what I would do. I would tell that story. You just told me, but I tell it to the family. Anybody remember these bowls? If everybody's like, nope, 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 then those bowls are getting donated to a family that needs them, right? And then they, oh my God, some woman gave us this amazing bowl set. (laughs) And we've always wanted nice bowls. They apparently, they were their grandma. She doesn't remember, right? And it goes to a family that could really use it. But what we did was we told the stories to let, and gave it a second for the family, if anyone in the family to speak up, because you might have a cousin that's like, holy crap, I loved those bowls. I learned how to make cookies. Before you were born, I would go to your grandma's house every year. And that was where we made our cookies. I would love those. Yeah. Right. Hmm. And they're like, oh yeah, great. They're yours. Go for it. But if you don't tell the stories, nobody knows. Yeah. And so how do we have a forum to tell all these stories? Right. Good question. Yes. What's the answer? <laughs> I am not, I'm not going to take the podcast from me here, but look, how you know, like, cause you can't ever bite your house. That's not realistic. I'm yeah. really big when I'm downsizing. I'm really big on like once a week or once a month. If we're cleaning up grandma's house, we have a, a not sure pile. And what we do is we actually will do a zoom with everybody mm-hmm. and we'll say, Hey guy, and we do a show and tell. We'll yeah. say, Hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? And someone's like, Oh, I remember that. Or, I remember that. And if grandma's alive, even better. Grandma tells the stories, mm-hmm. right? Keep it to about an hour. Pick like five to ten items. Sure. So it's three minutes, three to two yeah. to three minutes per story. And what happens is people start raising their hand. I want that. I okay. want that. I want yeah. that. I remember when Grandma did that. And then mm-hmm. what you end up happening is, by the way, you hit record. Zoom. Uh, everybody can do this. You hit yeah. record, and now you have a time capsule of yeah. Grandma sharing the stories, and they can look back. I mean, I you know, one of my only regrets in life is. Um, my kids don't know my dad's voice. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't record any part of my dad's voice and I hate that. Mm-hmm. And then my, my, my kids are like, what did your dad sound like? I'm like, well, it was kind of whiny. It was kind of pitchy, but he was really confident. I can't, I can't really explain it. Right. But I wish I had him like telling stories of his cowboy boots and all those things. Yeah. But when you do it this way, when you share those, when you're downsizing, you share that. Yeah. You just do that zoom. And then the whole family gets participate. And now you have a time capsule of everyone in the family, not just grandma. Yeah. Like, oh, look, uncle John used to have hair. Like, <laughs> oh like look how skinny yeah. you were, dad. Right. Yeah. Like it's so, it's such a cool little time capsule. Yeah. And it took an hour, it took an hour mm-hmm. in life. And now you get to know people get to keep the things they want, but you have to, it's on us, right. To do the work. We've got to set up the zoom. We've got to bring up the items. We got to tell the stories. If you create that space, people will, will participate. Well, and I love that because I know, you know, my mom has sometimes said to me, she's like, well, you don't have a sentimental bone in your body. So, you know, you, and I'm like, no, that's actually not true. I mean, one of my favorite memories is going to my grandparents' house and they had a projector set up and they did a slideshow and went through old family photos. I'm like, I loved hearing the stories. Like, and I think our, you know, my generation younger, we want to hear the stories we want, but we don't want the stuff. Like, don't overwhelm us with all of your old smelly, broken things, but we do love ways to find, you know, whether it's story worth or different ways to, I mean, I love the idea of recording it. Like I, I want to hear the stories. I just don't want all the junk, you know? Yeah. So I'm big on, there's an app called Artifacts. I use that all the time. Oh, A-R-T-I-F-C-T-S. Okay. Uh, I, I know I'm going to, I like it so much that I ended up investing in it. Like that's how much I like cool. it. So okay. 
Let me be, yeah, we'll let me be upfront about that. Mm-hmm. But I use it constantly. It's a, it's a cell phone app and you can literally like take a picture of the item and then you write the story in there. But here's the best part. You can just hit record or video and it records okay. videos. And so what I do when I'm cleaning the house, I literally just take a picture of that and I say, okay, grandma, tell me your story. Yeah. Right? And she tells the story. And so then there's pictures of the item, but then it's grandma's voice attached to that item. And so I found a lot of my clients can let go of the items once yes. they share them because we found the younger generations, and I'm saying under 25, they get a bad rap usually, mm-hmm. but like they're dead on, man. They're not they're not swayed by stuff. They're going to have really good savings accounts. They don't buy the junk. I'm, I'm almost 50. Like I bought so much crap for my kids. The first 10 years of my life, I was buying my kids everything to make up for all the time yeah. I wasn't around mm-hmm. and to, because my mom was never around, right? Yeah. And so I bought all this just crap that was useless. And you know, I married a minimalist. And so when I, when I moved in with a minimalist, like I got rid of everything, <laughs> but like I had a total wasteful of like 10 years of just crap. And yeah. what I found is that the next generations, they don't fall for that. They actually behave most like our grandparents, like yeah. the greatest generation. They like stuff. They like nice stuff. Mm-hmm. And they like bigger, they like the stories, but yeah. they don't feel the need to purchase a lot of stuff. Yeah. They like nicer things. And they value time they together. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. They're having less kids. Yeah. Um, as a guy with seven kids, like you were the, the good call. <laughs> right? I mean, like I get it. I mean, like, oh my God. But I think they're doing life right. I yeah. really do. Like they mm-hmm. don't get bogged down with stuff. And you're, and you're going to see that 10, 20 years down the road, they're going to have the savings accounts that our generations didn't have. They're going to be prepared for life. They're going to be able to afford houses again. That's going to correct the house. I mean, like you think about the economics of it all. Stuff actually drives a lot of the economics of the U.S. at least, if not the world. And most of it's not needed. You know, like, I mean, I will tell you, this is the number that blows people away. When I clean out a house after the adult children have taken everything they want and you've taken what you want to move to senior living, guess the amount. 95%. Yeah. So seniors will take about, about 10% with them. Okay. Kids will take about 2%. Yeah. And then the cash value of everything else left in the house, the cash value, $8,000. What? That's it. 8000 A whole life of stuff. Whole and- life. And the memories are priceless, y'all. I know I'm sounding silly here, but like, that's what this is about. It's the stuff is not worth it. Yeah. You know, I've wondered, because I do, you know, when I'm helping people declutter stuff and there's sometimes it may be an unrealistic value on what an antique or uh, some kind of heirloom is worth. What do you think is going to happen with all this stuff? Like my generation doesn't want it. I mean, you look at antique stores and all that, like, where is this stuff going to go? Like what's going to happen with it? Yeah. Well, it's getting sold for not a lot of money. Yeah. And that's why I'm all about the next house to clean yeah. it out again. Right? Yeah. I mean, Dude, I, I can tell you like what's in, I can tell you what's in your house. I can tell you what's in your garage. I can tell you like, I mean, my favorite one now is like everybody still has the, um, the blue bed, bath and beyond 20% off coupons. <laughs> they have them in their junk drawer. You know, they're like that, you know, the big mailers. <laughs> and uh, by the way, bed, bath and beyond is not that they're expired. Bed Bath Beyond is expired. It's out of business. It doesn't exist anymore, right? And people still keep the. They, I literally have clients that keep the coupons just in case they come back. Like, like I heard they're coming back. And I'm like, <laughs> y'all, they're and if they do come back, they're gonna. Be, we can get rid of the. We can get rid of the coupons, right? But like, that's for a, a certain aged client that that holds on to everything. Like, so I really just, if you can't, I use humor a lot. I use. Um, I, I weigh in on sentimental. I love sentimental. I want to hear the stories. I want you to share that stuff. And then, and then we try to find the grandkids and, and adult children that do want it. Um, but I push hard. Like, I mean, when I started, I used to tell us all the time now, when I started the hardest item, I like 
I hated going into grandma's closet because we'd find fur coats. Right. And I'm 49. I don't know how old you are, but like you get into, I think we're same generation ish. Yeah, 41. And yeah. And so death to people that have furs, right? It was a horrible thing, right? And it was so hard to get rid of. And now, let me tell you something, every granddaughter walks in there, I want grandma's fur, right? Like they're cool again. You know, and they're like, I can't believe grandma wore this skirt, you know, and I can't. And so like, believe it or not, if you want to jumpstart on downsizing, take your granddaughter yeah, into grandma's sure. closet right? and, it, and give her an hour to go shopping. But your grandma's got to be there. She's got to tell stories. Yeah. Because right? you'll find out. Because think about this. Grandma went to Woodstock. I've already said that. But grandma's not this little old dainty lady that we thought. Yeah. Right? Like grandma's awesome. Now. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I mean, we I tell this story all the time on stories if you've heard it, but I, we have this tool in down size called a hot grandma and you always find a picture of hot grandma right like she was smoking hot she was like 18 freaking stunning right and so you hold on to that picture till grandma's having a bad moment right and you hold it in the back of the house and when grandma's having a hard time you come back hey who's this woman she is gorgeous You're like that's me You're like you don't say oh my god you're beautiful not were are you know you go oh my gosh this picture is stunning, right? And it's this stupid little dance. She plays it, we play it, we use it in every house and it works. But what I'm telling you is like when, when the when the granddaughters get into that space, they see this incredible things. Yeah. And um, I will tell you, we've had to really change our communication because I'm telling you that story. Like mm-hmm. grandma was a dainty little little person when mm-hmm. I started 25 years ago. And now yeah. grandma's a badass, yeah. right? Like, I mean, get out of the way, man. And the stories you're going to hear are incredible. And so I like really, you know, I, I mean, I love the one I'm thinking of. There was one we did, and I've, I've told the story in the speech before. And uh, we found a picture of hot grandma. It's grandma, adult daughter, who's my age, and granddaughter. It's like 25-ish. And then me. We're cleaning the house out. It's late at night. It's like 10 o'clock at night. And the granddaughter goes, who's that? That's not grandpa. <laughs> and not grandpa. That's the key here, right? And she's like, oh, that's Armando. She goes, that's Armando. Flips the page. I'm like, no, 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 no. Come back. I want we want I, to know I about just Armando. know your other stories. I yeah. want this story now. We're like, we want to, who is Armando? And she's like, oh, Armando. She goes, Armando was my lover. And, and we're like, what? Like, do tell, you know? And she's like, oh, it's the summer before I met your grandfather. She goes, you know, I was, in this, I love the story. She goes, I was a uh, professor. She goes, I was an art history professor at MIT. And he was a Spanish professor. And we had a torrid love affair. And she goes, it was just wonderful. And she goes, he's very good. He's still good looking. She goes, I looked him up on Facebook and he's like 90. And she's like, he's so handsome. And we're just like, holy crap. You know, we're hearing this story and it's just amazing. And the granddaughter goes, you were a professor at MIT? Mm. She goes, yeah, I was the first female professor. She goes, that's an adjunct professor. I was the first female professor at MIT. Wow. And she's like, oh my God. So that picture of hot grandma and Armando is how we found out that her grandma was this unbelievable person, the first female professor at MIT. Like it was incredible, right? And so if yeah. that's not a reason to tell stories, right? Yeah. Like that is so much bigger than a picture of Armando. Yeah. Right. And these, I mean, her daughter, her granddaughter is very successful, like total. I mean, but like, that's how those things start. Yeah. And so that's my argument about telling the stories and you'll yeah. find them everywhere. You have fun. And mm-hmm. these, these kids of the next generation, I think they're doing it right. Where is this stuff going to go? Hopefully to immigrants, hopefully to donation places that actually use it. Um, you don't need it. I'll be honest. We don't need any preaching to the choir to this audience. I mean, um, we don't need anything. I mean, good Lord. I mean, well, I yeah, tell now, us a little bit yeah. about your minimalism journey now. Did you live simply before you met Zoe or is this all? No, 
No, this is all news. So I, uh, well, I was catch a single up. Okay, tell us about yeah. your wife, okay. how you met, and right. what's her background. <laughs> so my my wife is Zoe Kim. Any of you listening would know her as Raising Simple. That's yep. her uh, Instagram handle. And she's mm-hmm. a minimalist blogger. Yep. Uh, I followed her early on yeah. when I first found minimalism. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So she, I mean, she's, uh, she's a single mother of four. And I was a single father of three. I, when I was a single dad, I had, it was very, I was weird that I got my kids full time. And so it it is what it is. And I was um, struggling to be a dad. I didn't really know how to be a dad. Uh, Hence why I was a single dad all of a sudden. (laughs) And and so I was learning to like, what do I do? One of my sons has a processing disorder and um, really struggles with textures. And my kids were uh, three, five, and seven when I got full time. So I had a five-year-old that could not get socks I was just a curious dad, like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. So I went online. We were getting like drag out arguments every morning. And I was like, you're choosing not to put these socks on. And then I go to the doctor and he's like, he is specifically not choosing. He can't help it. Right. (laughs) But I didn't know, you know, and you're like, oh my God, I'm this horrible father. So I stumbled upon minimalism because believe it or not, one of the nice things about being on TV is you can get a lot of group thought. Right. And so I just posted, hey, I'm struggling with my son. I don't know what to do. He can't get dressed in the morning. It's really, it's ruining him and his life. And a bunch of people posted all these things, ideas. And about 10 of them said, read this book, Minimalism for Families. And and I brought it just to show it. This is (laughs) my wife's book. This book changed my life. Okay. I read the book. It just said, hey, too many choices, right? Too many choices. Kids need less choices. And I'm like the guy from Hoarders. Like I should know how to clean out houses, right? And then I look at my son's closet and I'm like, oh my God, he has the biggest closet. Not only do we have all of his clothes. I have like all of the hand-me-downs. I have all of the extras. I was the single dad. Every woman in the neighborhood was giving me extra clothes, right? I had, and they were all going into this kid's closet. So not only did he have his clothes, all the other clothes were in there. And the book was really simple. It's too many choices. Can't make choices. That's why he stopped. And so I, the next day I got rid of all the clothes. I donated everything. And I was like, all right, let's try this. And I put five outfits you know, I put five pants, five shirts, five socks, five underwear, and that was it. And sure enough, the next morning, my son wakes me up. Dad, dad, look, I'm dressed. Wow. And it, and it immediately worked. And I hadn't even put the pieces together about minimalism yet. I was just, I thought minimalism was like a bunch of weird people that wore black shirts all the time. Right. And, uh, and we do, that's part of the deal. Yeah, we all I mean, a little bit, yeah. But, yeah <laughs> but that's just because it looks good on camera. Right. We didn't know that I didn't, but I didn't know anything about minimalism. So I wrote this, I was going to go online to write this random woman for writing the book to say thank you. And to tell her that it changed my son's life <laughs> and it ended up being this not so old lady, uh, Zoe Kim, and she had four kids and we started talking. And we, we were very professional, you know, for a long time. And, uh, and then she showed up at my TED talk and surprised me. And we've been together ever since. And we now live in Atlanta. We have seven kids and we're raising seven in kids. In like 1500 square feet, right? Yes. Yeah, around 2000. Yeah. We have a 2000 okay. square foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If you want to see our house, it's amazing. She designed the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, she was designing it when we met. Okay. And I didn't know that she was designing a space for my kids. She had already decided we were going to be together. She didn't tell me until like a year after we were dating that she had <laughs> developed, you know, made this space for my kids. But I came from a hoarding mentality. I had, you know, obviously I'm a very sentimental person. So my entire attic was everything from my, all my dad's stuff, all my grandpa's stuff. I mean, I, and I had to get rid of like all of it. And it was a really tough journey. Uh, and I think the irony of my book is um, if you read my book, Keep the Memories, Lose the Stuff, I had fallen in love with Zoe in the middle of writing that book. And I decided to move in the middle of writing that book. So I've written an entire book about moving. 
And I'll argue I'm one of the better, you know, one of the top downsizing experts. But man, when I got into that, uh, when I got into my own attic, I froze. And I couldn't do it. And yeah. and I, I basically called Zoe and I, and I basically did. I called her and I said, I don't know if I can do this. And I'm really stuck. And she goes, very simply, she goes, well, she goes, me and your family live in Atlanta. If you want to get rid of your crap and come be with us, let me know. She goes, if you don't, if you don't want to come, let me know too. And wow. Hung, that was a lot on the line. <laughs> and she hung up. And she hung up. And it was, and I, and I struggled for like two days. I didn't know what to do. And finally, I remember I was just like, all right, I got to take a leap of faith. Like, I got to decide if life's going to be better without stuff. It's just yeah. stuff. And yeah. so, like, ironically, I've been giving advice for 20 years. Yeah. And so two things happened that day. Uh, one, I had to call my publisher and I said, this book sucks. I got to rewrite it. <laughs> right. And so I totally rewrote my book wow. that that week. I, I sat in my attic for a week and I went and instead of writing about tips, I was like, I'm going to write about emotions. And so I went through every emotion that I thought about. And I was wow. like, oh, this is what my clients are going through. Yes. And so that's why the book's good yeah. uh, because I, it sucked at the beginning. I had yeah. to completely rewrite it. A, ARP and uh, Penguin are my publishers. And they were like, dude, you can do whatever you want, but it's due, you know, it's due <laughs> January 1st. So like, you let us know, man, like you yeah. do whatever you want. So like everything was on the line that day. Right. And so I took that leap and, and, I, and I really say that word intentionally. Mm -hmm. I mean, I took that leap and I got rid of a lot of stuff and, um, and man, I never looked back. No, I talk about, and I, I literally, someone the other day, they're like, well, what were you struggling over? Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, I don't even remember. Yeah. Like I couldn't even tell you, I got seven kids now. I don't have time to even think about <laughs> stuff. I mean, I got, and I, now I'm really into, I mean, I love, I mean, I will say this with, with, um, with seven kids, obviously finances are part of our life. I mean, anything times nine yeah. is expensive except zero. Right. And yeah. so, it, you know, I, I find myself having to defend these minerals and principles. And, and of course, it's changed how I look at downsizing as well. But like for me, it, I don't believe about no stuff. Mm -hmm. I do believe in nicer quality stuff. Right. Yeah. And and my space is very valuable. My mm -hmm. space and my time and yeah. my money. Yeah. And that's it. Like yeah. I got X amount of time with my kids. So do I really want to spend it like cleaning crap up? Right. No. Yeah. Do I want to, I mean, our house is like beyond, I mean, like we don't even have grass in our yard. Our grass is, our grass is turf, our pool, you know, we have, I mean, we have a pool, we have a great space outside we live in and we love it, but none of it has to be maintained. Yeah. And, and I love that because like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Like you got a buddy, I had a buddy, literally one of my good friends, I was like, he's like, I got to mow the lawn this weekend. I'm like, well, how long does that take? It's like three hours. I go, you have three hours on a Saturday? He's like, yeah. I go, you spend it mowing? <laughs> Like, yeah. He's like, what do you do? I go, I'm going for a hike with my sons. <laughs> I'm like, sure as hell I'm not going to spend it mowing a lawn. You know, and I'm, and I'm getting a little like exaggerated here, but yeah. like that's to me no, the benefit of homes. I mean, I have just, yeah. I have, I have time for life, you know? Yes. And, and for us, food is where we really share. We, our family time is at night. We, yeah. we still all eat together every night. That's all awesome. nine of us. Yeah. And it's really tea now with my daughter's, uh, with her daughter's boyfriend. So there's 10 of us always around. Yeah. And, um, and we do like, to, we don't, you know, it's Thanksgiving every night for us. And mm. so we don't like to cook yeah. every night. And yeah. so like tonight, Thursday nights, we got to dinner and as a family. And so I have to have more money for food. And so ironically, minimalism has really helped me in that because I'm able mm. to spend my money on food yeah. and travel and not just yeah. dumb stuff. And stuff. It's amazing how the stuff adds up 
Oh, it's the most freeing. It's the yeah. most freeing thing I've ever ex- experienced. Yeah. And uh, ironically, awesome. I was in it, you know, doing it for yeah. 20 years before, <laughs> you know, and uh, so, but do check her, her, I don't, I'm not really online. If you want yeah, to no, see she's a great follow. Yeah. I, we'll link to her stuff. She's a good follow. Too, and we'll get her I, on I, I told her today, I told her today I was going to be on your, on your bag. She's like, I follow her. I'm like, I know. I saw that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But, we'll definitely visit mm-hmm. with Zoe. Okay. I have one lingering question though. So you said originally on hoarders, they didn't want you on the show. They just wanted you to hook them up with houses. How did you actually end up being, I mean, the main character like on the show then? Yeah. Well, so my dad was in advertising. I understand uh, how to sell. And uh, I knew in the first, like five minutes, they put me on to test me. And I was like, oh, I got this. Most of us have talents that we don't embrace. If you know you got it, girl, go get it. Like, <laughs> And that's what I did. My, I had my, I was raised by really strong women and men. Um, but mainly the women, the women were the strong people in my life. And they taught me really to, you know, grab it when you get it. When I saw that window, it was just like, I'm going to kill it. And, and I still have that mentality. When I get on a stage now, man, I'm going to kill it because this is my chance and I love it. And I love being on TV. It's a chance for me to, to preach. I mean, I, um, faith is a large part of my life. I don't talk about it. Um, I've learned on TV, the minute you talk about it, half the people you get canceled, <laughs> you get canceled. So I show, so I show it, right. Yeah. I just show people like, you're so great. You're so compassionate. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Um, I will tell you as an entrepreneur, I learned about 10 years ago, I tried to really tried to get rich. Like I tried for 10 years and it always failed like dramatically, like almost comically failed miserably. Um, Google my Google my home shopping network appearance if you want. I mean, I went against my morals and my ethics, and I went on home shopping network because I was going to make a million dollars, and I lost it. I lost it all. I lost. I mean, I bombed, and I lost everything. <laughs> and I was like, okay, God, I hear you, dude. Like, I hear you loud and clear. Just go help people. And so, yeah. literally, I just gave in and I said, I'm go help people. Yeah. And yeah. my life uh, has been better since. And I will tell you. I can provide for my family yeah. of 10 or nine um, yeah. because I've just I've focused on helping people. Exactly. And, and that is what my life is awesome for it. And so I don't even think about it. And I think people see that. And so that's mm-hmm. how I got on hoarders. And I, yeah. um, I was the only one using humor and fun and positivity. Everybody else wanted drama. Yeah. And I just, mm-hmm. I just, man, I'm just there to help people. And I have a really good time doing it. And <laughs> so people laughed at the dumb stuff I would say. And I, and I don't even know. I, people are like, oh my God, that was awesome. Do you remember when you said this? I'm like, no, I said that. That sounds awesome, but I don't remember saying it. Yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, and I think the best part is now that with, with seven, I mean, we have six boys, 10 to, to 15. Um, so I don't even, there is like 10 episodes of Hoarders that I haven't even seen. And I don't, I'll never get to, I don't have time. Like, I mean, I'll be 60 by the time like, I'm almost 50. I'm not going to have time to watch these shows. Yeah. And so I don't really watch them anymore. Yeah. I, I get to do, I, I get to watch Legacy List, which is great because I'm a producer on that yeah, too. Yeah, that's cool. But now, I mean, that's crazy to me. Like my, I left episode two of Hoarders and I did 113, wow. but I left the second episode of Hoarders for my first kid to be born. Wow. And, uh, and now, uh, that kid is on the cleanup crew for legacy list wow, and he cool. travels with me. He, yeah. tra- he travels with me in the summer. And so yeah. now my older boys are starting to become being on the show with me. And That's so crazy. I, for me, the best thing in the world is in the summer, I go away for yeah. like 15, 15 days with my, with my boys and they get to work on the show with me and they're still messy when they get home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will say this people want to, and, and, and I hope Zoe does get to be on the show, but mm-hmm. what we've learned is. Um, we are really, we, we teach our rules of what we believe in minimalism and, and, and decluttering. We teach what we believe up mm-hmm. to 15. 
Yeah. And then from fit from, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's like a religious cult. Like, like we're, we teach them up to 15 and then from 15 to 18, we let them fly. Right. We see where they're at. And so like, we don't push them. 15 yep. That's then, really good. And we just kind of see where they go. Yep. And, uh, and we're even the 18 year old, we're starting to see her clean up a little bit more. Like, <laughs> You're like, I know it's in there. I know it's in there. Well, I just thank you having me on here. Yeah. It's so funny to visit with you. My punish, my punchline for everybody listening is tell your stories, man. Tell yeah. your stories and the rest of the workout. That's so you'll good. Really, you'll find that you just don't need as much of stuff. Yep. <laughs> they are aligned. People think, why in the world would the guy from Hoarders be on it from this podcast? But I promise you. Yeah. At the oh, end, yeah. it's all, I think it's all the same stuff. Totally. We all love people. Yep. They, and that's what we're remembering. These yep. Awesome. Well, thank you, Matt. And we'll have to catch up thank again another so time. Much. That was awesome. Yeah. I love it. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on the Minimal Mom Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with a friend who might find value in embracing a simplified lifestyle.